Gentlemen, start your engines. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Great to be with you this Sunday night. And uh, the program does get rebroadcast at different times, so maybe I shouldn't keep saying Sunday night, but we are live on Sunday nights at 9 p.m., and then we rebroadcast it at other times. Uh, our website is christianmoney.com, christianmoney.com. And uh, a lot to get into in the news tonight. I wanted to mention, though, I had a great day yesterday, went up to my favorite little place, St. Augustine, and went to the Leitner Museum, which I haven't been there in a few months just a beautiful place, and on the weekends, they have a piano player uh, that's playing in the restaurant. So as you go into the Leitner Museum, one, what you'll notice is it actually is a former hotel. Uh, each floor uh, has a balcony where you look out onto what used to be the swimming pool, but the swimming pool is drained, and inside the swimming pool is a restaurant. And in that restaurant, there is a grand piano, And on the weekends, there is a piano player playing standards, and it is just fantastic. The acoustics and the environment, uh, just a beautiful place to visit. So I went there yesterday with a friend, had a fantastic day, just kind of walking around the city, uh, sampling different food and wine and uh, just having a great day. Uh, So I was excited this week, still am, about Elon Musk buying Twitter. And as I had been saying for the last two or three weeks, If, in fact, uh, things change at Twitter. Now, uh, I was thinking, well, as soon as Elon Musk got in, he was going to change things immediately. And apparently there's a little bit of a a question now because he says he's forming a a moderation council of people with diverse opinions, uh, diverse opinions that will kind of moderate the content. So it's not going to be just a free for all. There will be limits and boundaries and rules. Uh, But hopefully it'll be at least just fair uh, to conservatives. And if it is, if it turns out that uh, Twitter uh, is a fair venue for conservatives, I plan to make a much bigger commitment to it. Uh, Probably right now, I would say, honestly, my biggest following uh, is clearly on Facebook. But I would definitely look at kind of changing my focus from Facebook to Twitter or at least making Twitter equally Uh, as important in my social media mix. So part of that is going to be telling those of you that listen to this show to go ahead and get on my Twitter. And I would suggest that you do that right now Uh, on Twitter. I am James L. Paris. That is my author name. People know me by Jim Paris here, of course, but uh, my author name is James L. Paris. So for branding purposes, Uh, Over the years, I've used James L. Paris in all of my social media. So uh, go ahead and follow me on Twitter. I think I've got, I checked it this morning, somewhere around 7,000 people follow me on Twitter. 
I don't even know how many of those are real accounts or bots or whatever. And honestly, I don't post a lot uh, to Twitter, so I don't really uh, have a reason to have a lot of followers. I used to post more to Twitter and I just kind of stopped because I wasn't getting much traction there at all. And I, I am convinced that I'm probably, um, you know, somehow my following is being limited uh, by Twitter because I'm a conservative. Um, they, they had suspended me at one time, uh, for about a week. Uh, but, but I'm, you know, haven't had any problems since then, but I could be getting what they call shadow banned, which is kind of my theory because this show will be simulcast on video on Twitter, among other platforms. And I get very few views over at Twitter for the show, which is kind of unusual because live video tends to get a lot of viewers. I mean, I should have at least in the hundreds of viewers every time this show airs on Twitter, uh, being that I've got uh, 7,000 followers, I should have several hundred that are watching the video feed, at least for a few seconds. And that doesn't include those people that might see the video feed in the public uh, you know, the main feed uh, of Twitter. So I'm not sure what's going on with Twitter um, as far as my history goes, but excited that Elon Musk has taken over Twitter because in my mind now that that means at least there's a good chance it's going to become open, at least fair uh, to conservatives. I mean, I get it that these platforms need to have rules and boundaries, but at the same time, uh, it's clear that there's a set, you know, a double standard, you know, that the, uh, Liberals are able to do certain things and conservatives are not. And you're not allowed to have uh, a variety of opinions. You're not allowed to question uh, the mainstream, the mainstream media narrative, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, things like the vaccines, the election, those sorts of things will get you kicked off very, very quickly. So with Elon Musk buying Twitter and that deal officially closing on Friday, a lot of people are now. Uh, pumping and speculating about Dogecoin, which is sort of the uh, cryptocurrency. If you don't know the backstory, Dogecoin is sort of uh, at least my understanding of it was that it was originally kind of formed as a joke. And then it took off because Elon Musk uh, started talking about it and it's had a number of different uh, runs where it has taken off and gone up substantially in value. So people are once again uh, pumping Dogecoin, uh, talking about it, uh, making a huge jump now that Elon Musk uh, is at Twitter. I mean, if I had to suggest a cryptocurrency that might uh, go up substantially because of Elon Musk owning Twitter, I would probably just say Bitcoin because I know he's a big believer in Bitcoin. Some people have even speculated that he could have been the creator of Bitcoin. Uh, but he is a big cryptocurrency guy. So I think Twitter uh, in the hands of Elon Musk is going to be good for cryptocurrency across the board. Uh, Bitcoin, I think, uh, will definitely benefit from it. I think we'll see a lot more, at least a lot more fair treatment of cryptocurrencies. And you've got to think, you know, what does Elon Musk have in mind for Twitter? I don't think he just bought it and spent 45 million. 45 billion with a B billion dollars just for vanity, just to be able to have this thing that he likes to post his opinions on. I don't think he bought it for that reason. Uh, I do think he probably has some brilliant ideas into, you know, in making Twitter into something much more than it already is. 
And don't forget that he was part of the founding of PayPal, which makes me think that maybe there's something uh, in the works for Twitter to become more of a payment platform than it, uh, you know, than uh, Facebook and, and other social media platforms are. And if that turns out to be the case, look for cryptocurrency uh, to be a big part of that. So I, I really don't think he would put his money into this unless he had big plans uh, to get a good return on his money. And uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, Twitter now officially in the hands of Elon Musk. Now, Democrats are trying to make political hay out of the attack on Paul Pelosi. And of course, this is a tragedy. I don't really need to say it, but I'll say it. We don't uh, endorse anything like this. Uh, we're certainly uh, sorry to hear about the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul. Uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, we have never on this show, uh, even even with the January 6th uh, rioters that that vandalized and things like that. We've we've always spoken out against that on this show. And we'll speak out tonight about the attack on Paul Pelosi. Absolutely wrong. Person should be prosecuted to the full ex uh, fullest extent of the law. This is no answer, you know, to behave like this. But it, it it we're starting to see now that the narrative, which is that somehow this is politically motivated, somehow that this guy who broke into the Pelosi's home is part of the same crowd and the same thinking as the January 6th people, we're starting to get more information that maybe that's not true. Maybe this is just some crazy guy uh, who who uh, was psychologically um, unhinged. That's more and more turning out uh, to be the story than that somehow this is part of the uh, right wing. Uh, you know, somehow this is to be blamed, for example, uh, on people that are conservatives that have conservative talk shows and people that uh, are conservative columnists and those people that are. Um, you know, all fired up the uh, pundits about the election coming up and those kinds of things that it's being suggested that politics is what fueled this guy. And we don't have any any evidence right now to support that. We, we simply don't. It's very early. Um, it could turn out to be that. Uh, of course, we had the reverse happen with the um, mass shooting of the uh, Republican congressman uh, at the uh that, that softball game outside Washington, D.C., uh, the baseball game. Uh, so it, it, it happens on both sides that people uh, who have a, a political affiliation may resort to violence, certainly wrong on either side. Uh, but it just isn't shaping up to be that in this case from everything that I have read so far. Uh, so this is interesting. I, as many of you know, I am back in the mortgage business. I am working now as a as a loan officer, and I did have my own mortgage firm for many years uh, back in the 2000s. And uh, this is interesting because I'm getting a lot of people that are getting in touch with me. Uh, they're trying to sell their house up north. They want to move to Florida. They want to move to Texas. And so one of the challenges now with interest rates having gone up and uh, in some of these areas, there seems to be just a lot more people leaving than coming in. It's getting to be tough to sell your house. So one of the options is to sell your house to one of these uh, quick cash buyers. And you may uh, hear the ads running on radio uh, quite frequently where we will you know, buy your house for cash, this sort of thing. And uh, I actually have been doing some um, research into this. And I know someone here 
in town that actually can help people in all 50 states to be able to do a quick sale on their house by getting multiple offers from hedge funds. That's right. Wall Street investors are now buying single family houses. And this is now becoming a thing because here are the advantages. So you don't have to go through the process of showing your house, uh, paying a realtor, waiting uh, months for it to sell, all of that. You can sell your house quickly. And they do have some pretty creative options. One of them is, for example, that you can sell your house and get the money now and still stay in the house as a renter. How, how about that Till you find your new house? Another one is a scenario where they'll give you 80% of the money now and then you get 20% uh, a little bit later, you know, after you, you move. So there's different uh, offers, uh, different arrangements by which that you can sell your house uh, to one of these. But when you sit down and you do the math, I mean, when you sell it through a traditional means, not only does it take time, it's going to take weeks or months for it to sell. Uh, you're also going to have to deal with the showings, keeping your house super clean, having strangers in and out of your house quite a bit, all of that. Um, in addition to that, you've got, you know, realtor fees. Uh, sometimes you have a contract and then it falls through and then the house comes back on the market and you've got to wait again for another buyer. So there's a lot of reasons why people might do this. You might be moving for work. Uh, you don't want to leave the house empty when you move on to the new city. But probably the biggest reason is honestly, it's really hard to get a mortgage on the new house if you haven't sold the old house. So what this does is it leaves people kind of trapped in limbo. So when they move to the new city, if the other house hasn't already sold, they've got to rent for a while. And rent is not cheap. Uh, and sometimes you've got to sign at least a six-month or a one-year lease to get a decent place. So you're kind of trapped in limbo. And a lot of times those people have to rent a storage unit which can be hundreds of dollars a month on top of the rent they're paying for a, an apartment while they wait for the first house to sell so they can pick out and then close on the second house. So this is a thing. I'm just throwing that out there to you. If you are someone that is looking for a quick sale on your house, uh, really in all 50 states, uh, send me an email, uh, jim at christianmoney.com or private message me on Facebook, and I can uh, refer you to somebody that can help you with that. Uh, certainly an interesting strategy. And I also wanted to mention uh, tonight's sponsor, which is internetpaycheckforlife.com. And this is a program that I, uh, I used to teach uh, online internet marketing, internet business for years. I had thousands of students in my training, and then I discontinued it. I think it was in 2015, 2016, I discontinued it. Uh, but now it's back, uh, started it back up again a couple of years ago. And uh, there is a, uh, it's about um, 50 to 60 hours of training on internet business. And there's a couple of different ways that you can use this information. One is for your own business. So whether you have, you know, a local business, maybe you've got a service business, you can use this information to promote yourself, to promote your own local business. You can also start an internet-based business and use this information. But the other side of it, which is what I call the quick money side of this, is the opportunity to become a consultant. So once you learn these internet marketing strategies, how to build websites, how to use social media, all of those kinds of things. You can actually use that information to hang out a shingle as a consultant, to help people with their Google local listing, 
to help people to set up a website, to help them with their social media marketing and their videos and their YouTube and all those kinds of things. So there's kind of two sides to it. And uh, we do have a special deal going on right now. It is 50% off. If you want to save $150 uh, and, and get signed up right now, you can take advantage of that by going to internetpaycheckforlife.com. Internetpaycheckforlife.com. This was tragic. Over 150 people killed uh, at a Halloween event in Seoul, Korea. And uh, the, the part of town where this happened uh, is in an area called I Taiwan, which is uh, sort of an area you might call it Little Taiwan, uh, which is an area of Seoul that is Taiwanese. A lot of Taiwanese people live there. There's Taiwanese food. And where this apparently happened was there was a big gathering of people, of thousands of people for Halloween. And I didn't even really know. I've been to Seoul, Korea. I did not know that Halloween was such a big thing there. Uh, but apparently it is a really big deal. And they had a big event in this area of Seoul, Korea. And the people uh, gathered together and then they got into a narrow alley uh, by being trampled. And I can tell you, uh, having been in Seoul for three weeks back in 2018, that there are these narrow alleyways, which I think are kind of cool uh, because um, how it how it works is, you know, so you have the main streets, but then you have these narrow alleyways that a lot of times have like little restaurants and little businesses are in these little these little alleyways. And they're just wide enough uh, for one car to go through. So they're usually like a one way type of a deal and that's for deliveries to be made that sort of thing um, but a lot of times it's just bicycles in there or motorcycles or people walking and uh, for example where I stayed in Seoul Korea I stayed in an alleyway you, you go down this alley and there's a house back there and I was renting a room in this house uh, and I love these little alleyways but apparently what happened was these thousands of people all kind of huddled together at this Halloween event. And then they ended up going down this narrow alleyway. Not sure exactly what prompted sort of this stampede of people. Uh, but we now know that over 150 people uh, have been killed. I have to tell you, in recent years, I am just not a fan of being in these large crowds. Uh, no concert uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, where there was a fire and, and people were killed in the fire and trampled. Uh, I'm just not a fan of these kinds of situations. So for example, in St. Augustine, they have this one night. It is the Saturday night before Thanksgiving where they actually turn on the Christmas lights in the city for the first time. And they call this night of lights. This is like the opening night of the Christmas lights. And it's almost like times square on new year's Eve in St. Augustine. It's just elbow to elbow people all through the city. I don't go on that night. I, I went one time and that was it. I don't like being in those kinds of crowds where you're huddled together with hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of people. Uh, but uh, just a tragedy uh, in Seoul, Korea, uh, such a beautiful city, a beautiful, clean city, wonderful people. Seventy percent of Korea is evangelical Christian, which is just fantastic because of the missionaries that started going there uh, in the 1950s. And. Uh, that area of Korea is especially beautiful, the Taiwan section of Seoul, Korea. Uh, so the media is hyping these 7% mortgage rates. Uh, you know, 
it's become a really huge disappointment to me at how the media has to uh, exaggerate information, especially when it comes to personal finances. So I'm in the mortgage industry, as I said earlier in the show. And yeah, some some people are getting a rate of 7%, but not very many. I mean, most people, the rate is closer to 6% than it is 7%. And there's a lot of things you could do to buy down the rate to get a lower rate. Uh, but historically, even 7%, even if you were to say 7%, the sky is falling. Uh, that interest rate is not a bad interest rate historically. It, it really is not. Now, if you compare it to where were rates a year or two ago, it is. Uh, but 7% is not a, a terrible rate historically, but people are actually getting rates closer to 6%. So this is all part of the media campaign. Not, I'm not motivation is, but they're talking about a real estate crash. They're talking about rates going to 8 or 9% and on and on and on. Uh, and I guess this is just to get people to read their articles, clickbait, uh, just to scare people and to get eyeballs uh, to their websites. But uh, that is the big story. You're starting to see more and more 7% uh, rent. Uh, I'm just, I, I don't buy into these narratives, especially when you look at the real estate market, which it cannot be described anymore as a national market. The real estate market is regional. People that talk about real estate in, in terms of it being like a monolithic single thing that's nationwide. I would not listen to those people because that is absolutely not how real estate uh, is at this time. We have these areas like Florida and Texas where there is thousands of people uh, every month coming into these states, the net inflow of people. And so these areas are not as susceptible as the areas like the blue states, which are losing population. So there are areas that are going to have a real estate crash, but not the entire country. And 7% rates in and of themselves are not going to destroy the real estate market because you still have people selling in Boston for a million dollars and coming down to Florida and saying, wow, I can buy a house here for $300,000, $400,000. This is cheap. So when you look at the... Um, arbitrage that's happening, you know, the, the geographic arbitrage, people are still selling for a lot of money in Northern cities and coming to Florida, coming to Texas and able to get good deals. So, uh, real estate is regional and you've got to follow it regionally. And, uh, interest rates are a little bit higher than they've been. That's of course true, but historically these are not horrible rates, uh, certainly not rates high enough to justify any type of a nationwide real estate crash. Uh, so Powerball is back to $1 billion. Or should I do the billion <laughs> uh, Austin Austin Power, right? Um, yeah, so a billion-dollar lottery. I, I It just kind of blows my mind because the, where I buy gas at, at the Shell gas station, they've got a sign, but it, it can't go to a billion. It can only go into millions. So they, whenever it gets to a billion, they don't have another, another space for a digit to be able to show it, which I think is funny. Uh, and who knows, maybe this is all part of, uh, the inflation crisis that now we've got, uh, real estate, we've got, um, real estate, uh, prices are super high. And now we've got the, the, the jackpots on, uh, lotteries are super high. So maybe that's uh, all part of, uh, what's happening with inflation. But uh, when it gets a billion dollars, I, I, I know I'm not uh, certainly suggesting gambling, but I think, oh, I don't know if it's a billion dollars. Maybe while I'm 
I'm in there and I'm buying maybe a bag of potato chips or something. Maybe I buy a dollar or a $2 ticket. I don't even know how much it is because I haven't bought lottery tickets in forever. Uh, but when it gets to a billion dollars, I sometimes post it on my Facebook and ask people, uh, do you think you might, you know, buy a ticket if it's a billion dollars? And then what would you do with it if you had a billion dollars? That's another interesting question. I do love the fact that you can now stay anonymous in a lot of states and claim the money without anybody knowing it's you. And man, would I, if I did win a lottery, would I be the one to sign up for that program? Uh, kind of like the witness protection program, but for lottery winners, uh, you'd have to be careful though. You start buying a bunch of new stuff and people are going to say, Hey, what's going on? How do you know, you'd have to have a story. You'd have to have a cover story. Your, your uncle died and left you a little bit of money or something, but, uh, man, uh, that would be the perfect scenario, right? To win a billion. So probably after taxes, you'd end up with 500 million, stay anonymous and then uh, be able to have that money. And uh, you probably do a lot of good things with $500 million, I would guess. More and more apps on your phone are turning out to have viruses. And I'm not happens because supposedly when an app is created and it's put into either the um, app store with your iPhone or the Play Store with your Android phone, supposedly they're checked out to see are there viruses? Is this safe? Whatever. Uh, but we're starting to see more and more articles. I saw one today and it said, if you have any of these five apps on your Android phone, remove them from your phone immediately. And the reason why this caught my attention is I now have this bizarre thing happening on my phone. It started about two weeks ago. And whenever after an hour or two, there will be a website open that I did not go to some, some app inside my phone has taken over my Chrome browser. And about every two hours, it will just automatically show a website that I did not ever go to. And it's kind of concerning to me a little bit because, yeah, I can just close it. But I keep thinking to myself, you know, what if what if it goes to a, you know, a website that is, you know, something that uh, would damage my name or reputation? And what if somebody, you know, found out about that? It is concerning and I don't know how to stop it. And I've gone through my phone and tried to delete every app that I did not know uh, that I wasn't confident in every app that was newer kind of trying to find how this might have happened. I can't figure it out. I can't figure out how to get rid of this. If you're somebody that's an expert on this, let me know. Cause I'm just going crazy trying to figure this out. I even paid for uh, antivirus software on my phone, which I already had some on there, but I, it was free antivirus software. So I bought some, uh, spent the money to buy the software and it's still not doing anything. It's still, this is happening every couple of hours. It'll take me to a website in my Chrome. It'll just, if I click to open up my Google Chrome on my phone, it'll have a website that I did not navigate to. Now that's irritating, but it's risky because they're saying that some of these apps can actually be used to steal your passwords to your bank accounts, to your credit cards, those kinds of things. And that's really where the big problem is. Uh, when they put these, they call these Trojans, these viruses, where they can actually start stealing uh, passwords off your phone. So uh, just something to be on the lookout for. And if you've got a great uh, antivirus app for your phone that you think can help me, uh, please reach out and let me know. 
And we'll close it out with this uh, tonight. Student loan forgiveness, uh, the sign-up forms are now available. And I did a talk show appearance on this uh, earlier in the week. Uh, so we did take a look at the form, and I was thinking this was going to be a big, long, complicated form, kind of like a tax return or kind of like filling out the FAFSA for student aid, student loans. But it turns out it the form itself takes about one or two minutes to complete. And then the government is saying that even if you don't fill out the form, you're probably still going to get the student loan forgiveness, that they have a way of just doing the student loan forgiveness en masse, and you don't actually have to fill this form out. So uh, I still would fill it out if I were you. I would still suggest you fill it out. It is at the United States Department of Education. And all you have to do is um, go there. Uh, you'll see it. There's a link for it on the homepage. Fill that out. Takes a couple of minutes. And then you're in the queue uh, to get the student loan forgiveness. And and again, pretty much everybody's going to get at least $10,000. Uh, some people, if you got a Pell Grant when you were in college, you're also going to get an additional 10000 So some people will get $20,000 of student loan forgiveness. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure to be with you. We're here every Sunday night. And uh, if you have a question you'd like me to answer on the show, I always love doing that. Uh, feel free to send me an email to jim at christianmoney.com. Good to have you with us. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. So long, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. God bless.